there is, I suppose, now an outside chance of a full-on kicker holdout. That would be one for the books. And then in solidarity, the holders also hold out. your one-stop shop for news, views and overreactions to all things NFL. The draft is coming up this weekend, so we decided we're going to give you a draft preview. We're going to go position by position through a lot of the players who are coming up and what we think of some of them. Uh, We're going to go through the news, obviously, and also look at some questions from you and a mock draft. So, hey, we got Connor here and we've got Ronan. Hello. How are you getting on, Sham? Any crack? Yeah, not too bad. Uh, Tough old weekend, but uh, managed to get through. Oh, Uh, yeah. Survived, (laughs) did you? Through the beautiful uh, weather. How did you get up to? Oh yeah, so we were down. I was down in Cork with uh, Fitz and Sean and a few people like that for the weekend, and uh, we did. There was a wrestling promotion on the Friday we went to, and then we had nice craft beer festival and fancy burgers, and oh, it was a lovely, lovely old weekend. Did you get up too much on the Sunday? No. <laughs> <laughs> I, I literally spent that just catching up and stuff and just marinating a bit. Like, to get through the weekend, I'd been, like, chomping on. I had, like, a couple of dial all rights <laughs> and stuff Very just good. to get through the day. And, like, yeah, managed to survive. Managed to survive. That's the main Very thing. Good. Yeah, I landed back and ended up going to play Dungeons & Dragons for, like, seven hours. <laughs> it was... Uh, That's pretty intense. Yeah, it was uh, It was pretty fun. And then, uh, then I discovered that the transport network of late night buses is rather confused in what they have so they have timetables up and they tell you a bus is going to go from here at this time they don't always go from there and uh-huh. sometimes they decide to not show up so i ended up having to get a taxi all the way out to the house which Jesus. was a pain in the arse so i suppose we'll fly on in and have a look at some of the bits of news uh, we thought we were going to have almost no news and then literally uh, about 10 minutes before we started recording some big news broke so the Kansas City Chiefs have gotten themselves involved in a trade with the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, so we are very well positioned to discuss this one. So Kansas City are trading their uh, first round pick this year, the 29th overall. The lower of their two 2020 second round picks, so next year's one. So this will either be theirs or if it goes well this year or it will be um, San Francisco's, depending on which what, what team finishes off in the best position. And then they are also this year going to swap third round picks. So I think the Chiefs move up five or six positions in the third round. And in return, they are receiving a defensive end, Frank Clark from the Seattle Seahawks. So he is a franchised player, I believe, for yourselves at the moment. So obviously Seattle getting very nice value out of a franchise player that they were maybe on the fence about whether they wanted to sign long term. Clark gets himself a new deal worth five years, $105 million, with uh, about $60 million of that guaranteed. It's not a fantastically cheap deal for the Chiefs, to be honest. He does fit the scheme very well. Uh, suits the type of player that Spags is looking for in that defense. But this is also a team that traded away their main pass rusher from last year, uh, released and their other pass rusher from last year, Justin Houston, and were kind of reliant only on Chris Jones. So this is probably an area of need. And I suppose the big wigs in Arrowhead must have decided that they did not see the type of player that they wanted falling to them uh, at 29. So I suppose what's your take on this one, Fitz? Uh, you've, you've had him for the last couple of years. What is your take on him as a player? Yeah, I think he's been a player who came in uh, quite raw and he had some uh, character issues. He had a domestic violence issue. That's what we need, more of that. In college, but 
He, he, with the exception, I think, some comments he made to a reporter, which were slightly sexist. I don't think he's really got into trouble since then. So I think that's pretty much behind him, hopefully. Uh, so I, I don't think you need to worry about that too much. In terms of production, he came in quite slow, but he came into a, like a stacked defensive line when he was drafted with Michael Bennett, Cliff Aver, and people like that. But as those guys have slowly been shed, he's become one of the elite players along that defensive front. And it's basically someone you could expect to get around 10 sacks a season but with the upside of potentially getting up maybe closer to 15 or something like that. I think he's an elite 4-3 end. I think maybe he's a, like a, a hair below Demarcus Lawrence at his best, but he's solid in the pass rush, uh, particularly against, like, he's probably better, like, he probably gets more sacks against the kind of weaker tackles, as you'd imagine, but yeah. he's also very solid in the run. He's never had any problems in that area, uh, has, has never been a weakness there, so he sets the edge well and is disciplined overall. So I think you're looking for someone here who's a tree down, uh, four three defensive end and someone that should be able to play for several more years to come. There's no real major health issues or anything like yeah, that. So he's only I'm just looking up now. He's only 25 years old. So that's actually nice and young to be honest. Yeah, so. you know, like what we're talking about here in KC is that they have like one, uh, two years where they'll have Patrick Mahomes on a cheap contract and he might sign an extension, but I assume. The first year of that will be from his current deal or whatever that's going on there. They'll they'll work something out on it, I'd say. So that means that you're in win-now mode. You have a unique opportunity to take advantage of the problem, you know, arguably the best quarterback in the league on on very low money. And this is a win-now move. I imagine when you look at the details of this contract, it'd be loads of front-loaded money, similar to Sammy Watkins last year. And if he doesn't work out, if he's not producing correct, when the Patrick Mahomes money starts coming in very expensive, they'll move on from him at that point. But I think if you're talking about someone who can help you right now, ha- break, bring that defense, which was so bad last year, up to a better level, uh, I think he's he's a better fit than D Ford. He's a better player than D Ford, less injury history than D Ford, and younger yeah. than Justin Houston. So I think it's an upgrade. It costs a lot, but yeah, uh, look, defensive players gotta, always do. You got to spend money to make money, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, and as we can see here, like even though the full terms aren't out, we can see uh, sixty million of that is guaranteed. So essentially, we're talking about the first three years, which is the period when we have Mahomes on that cheaper contract, even if it's uh, then kind of starts to eke in at that point. Yeah, look, I'm not, I'm not overjoyed with it. I am happy that we've managed to pick up a quality player. I, I defer to the much smarter draft nicks on this to know why what 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 they weren't seeing that they were looking for with that pick. But yeah, so that sounds pretty decent to me. The only plus is we got it in now, so we have at least amended our uh, our draft our, our our mock drafts, so we uh, won't be completely guessing in the dark wrong on that. Other moves. Buffalo have signed running back TJ Yeldon to a two-year deal. This makes the running back room there quite busy, doesn't it? Because they have Shady and they have Frank Gore. And Frank Gore is probably the one who's going to suffer from this potentially, as TJ Yeldon tends to come in as a third down back where Frank Gore had been coming in beforehand, isn't it? When you're talking about Shady, you're talking about Gore, you're talking about two players who are... Well, probably on the back end of their careers, like uh, like Gore keeps doing it. So I, I'm I'm loath to say that he's he's done. He probably is. He'll provide something there. But I think having someone here who is a natural third down back who has a bit more maybe juice in the pass game is a decent mover here. I'm not really sure how much their quarterback Josh Allen can take advantage of it. He never he strikes me as someone that if there's a dump off, he'd rather just run for it anyway himself. Yeah. But He'll, he'll get in the rotation, see what he can do, but you know it's not guaranteed that either him or Gore will get many reps this season with Josh Allen being such a, a dual-tread quarterback and no, I think running backs are getting left behind. Especially, like their offensive line should be better, which will help, but we'll see how much better it is if it's good enough next season to get the run game back on track versus 2018. 
No, of course. Atlanta have uh, signed strong safety JJ Wilcox to a one-year deal. They've been looking for more bodies to throw in that in that defensive backfield for a while. They've yeah. got the speedy linebackers, but they just didn't have the quality of corner. Uh, not that JJ Wilcox is necessarily the quality they're looking for, but it's always good to get a rotational player, and that's a pretty cheap deal. Keanu Neal's had some injury issues recently, so they're probably making some cover for him as well. The Washington Mizungus also extend defensive end Matt uh, Leonidas, a three-year, $22 million contract. This is a, I suppose, pretty decent deal for this chap. Not the, not a world beater by any stance, but like yeah. seven million a year is pretty good for him. He has to yeah. be happy with that. Like you're talking uh, rotational defensive end, maybe five to ten sacks per year if he's going well. And yeah, defensive ends are so expensive as we're finding out that that's yeah. necessarily a bad price. <laughs> No, of course, of course. Move on. We have an update on crime and punishment. So uh, the story we were mentioning previously about Tyree Kill, there has been a development in that since we last spoke. The children's court, I think it is, uh, not the criminal court, have decided to uh, put a protection order in place for the child. In this case, uh, this is apparently done as a matter of course for a number of these uh, types of situations. So basically, while there's an ongoing investigation, they remove the child from the care of the mother and the father. Now, this that was an interesting development in that if it was a state where that was the mother saying that the father had done something they would never they wouldn't take them off both kind of thing but it's um it, it, it's not looking incredibly well at the moment but as we said from all the legal analysis you've read online about it it would appear that this is something that can be just par for the course when there's a lot of question marks being raised um so i'm sure we'll I think that they said that it's essentially you'll hear over the next month or two uh, some more details coming out about that, but just one to keep an eye on. Uh, as we said, stance is very simple on this. If he did it, he should never play in the league again. Yeah, that's kind of just about it. Controversy Corner has got some interesting bits this week. Uh, this story I only read a little bit about. I think you know a bit more about this than I do, Fitz. So if you think back to when the franchise tags came out, Robbie Gould was the kicker that San Francisco decided to franchise tag, and we couldn't quite figure out why. It appears that they've now hit a contract impasse and he wants to be traded, uh, possibly to move closer to his family in Chicago. How does one end up in this difficult a contract dispute with a kicker? It's, it's an interesting question. And apparently, like according to Gold and his representatives, this is something that's been, in their opinion, going on for over a year now of this kind of back and forth, very unsatisfactory reaction. I suppose he's looking at the contracts handed out to people like Jason Myers uh, as a free agent in Seattle, and he's kind of going, well, I, I deserve that kind of IN money. I just had like a really good season, and I've been solid even in the previous season, so why am I getting that? And the San Francisco 49ers have spent a lot of money on fullbacks and quarterbacks and wide receivers and defensive linemen and cornerbacks. They have a uh, remarkably a, expensive team for yeah. how they perform. <laughs> but apparently paying the kicker is not on their agenda. Uh, obviously, John Lynch does not value the most valuable position on the football team. Maybe he reckons just George Kittle can kick as well. <laughs> <laughs> so I think it's a situation that's it's very strange, very weird. And obviously now that he's demanded a trade, that will probably reduce his value. So it's just one of those situations that... It'll be interesting that there is, I suppose, now an outside chance of a full-on kicker holdout. That would fantastic. be one for the books. Oh, uh, yeah. And then in solidarity, the holders also hold out. Oh, brilliant. Yes. Yeah, that would be excellent. <laughs> Up next on Corner, this is possibly my favorite story at the moment. So, <laughs> Oakland have decided to kick all of their scouts out of the building because they don't trust them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, 
So essentially now it is just Gruden and Mayock in the building. I think one or two of their friends possibly, but that is it. They've kicked all the rest of the scouts out of the building because they do not trust them. They think there might be leaks. They apparently are lining up for a big surprise move, which really when I think about it, I should have factored into what I put in my mock draft for them. But essentially they don't trust most of the scouts or scouting department there because they were in there from the previous administration, Reggie McKenzie. And the main theory that's being floated around at the moment is that the scouting departments that, that are in there, they're the people who brought in Derek Carr. And because yeah. of that, they don't want word getting out to him or to anyone like that, that they're actually making a move for a quarterback. These are apparently Reggie's boys. They're all hold, mostly holdovers from Reggie McKenzie's, McKenzie's tenure as GM, including apparently his own brother, Rayleigh, or Raleigh, uh, depending on your pronunciation, McKenzie. So, like... It's very Raiders, right? Like, this is very oh, going back. Yeah. Turn back the time to Al Davis. Let's pick the fastest player available. Like, <laughs> like it, it, either it's going to be something like trading up for a quarterback, getting Kyler Murray, like, you know, there's been rumors earlier on, or maybe they're going to go DK Metcalf. He's a pretty fast guy. He's a beast yeah. of a man. Let's get that beast in uh, and let's get some extreme I, uh, NFL football going I, on I, here. I, I definitely haven't done that. Uh... <laughs> It, it it's impossible to know what they're going to do. Uh, I think there is there is indications that they believe some information leaked, as these things tend to, um, that they really didn't want to leak. So, and obviously they thought it was coming from within the building. And then there's some back and forth between different commentators on whether the idea of scouts not being in the like in the war room as you come down to the last few days is unusual or not. Like uh, Daniel Jeremiah, the kind of scout specialist at NFL.com, is like it's not that big of a deal. It's not that unusual. Whereas Rapsheet, who put this news into the into the uh, into the wild is somebody saying actually this is pretty unusual we have already seen this before so like it's oakland it's a circus it's the gruden show uh gruden the mayock show like you know like you know this is mike mayock's wet dream like he doesn't have to wait till the last moment to tell himself what the pick is and make himself look better now he gets to do it right there alive himself this is the bit of the story that i heard i have to i, I must actually double check this to make sure it's correct but i just thought it was fucking brilliant so I believe the Oakland Raiders ran a competition for fans as well this offseason. <laughs> uh, so two fans are getting to sit in for the draft in the war room with them. So it's just going to be Gruden, Mayock and two random fans <laughs> in a room. <laughs> yeah, so that's, that's a whole mess at the moment. I'm sure it, it means for one thing and one thing only, keep an eye on what the Raiders are going to do. They've got a lot of picks. They could move around a good bit. They could be trying to shift Derek Carr, although where would take him with his current price tag and all that kind of stuff, I don't know. But yeah. Mm, let's go to the Mazungus. Then we'll have the full cornucopia of mediocrity. Yeah, but then I'll also have like $100 million dedicated to quarterbacks that year. Like, <laughs> as, as, as badly run as they are, I don't think anyone is that stupid, right? And finally, uh, other bit of news, Chicago tight end Zach Miller has retired. You probably remember Zach Miller was the one who had the horrible injury. I think it was a two years ago now at this point. The yeah. Bears kept him on staff so he'd be able to have access to the player's insurance and the medical facilities there to help him recover. So I believe he has recovered somewhat, but he's never going to play again. So he's officially retiring at this point. Sad end, but like he's apparently very popular there. I uh, wouldn't be surprised to see him kind of take up some kind of ceremonial role with the team, maybe a scout or a coach or something like that. Yeah, I believe he won a couple of like internal team awards even when he wasn't playing. So yeah, I think yeah. he's he's quite well liked inside the building because he's another one where they said like a very 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 high ceiling on his potential, very athletic tight end, and then it just ended very very early for him, which is unfortunate. 
But yeah, I suppose that with, with one tight end exiting the league, it's time to discuss all the ones who might be entering the league for fantastical injuries to come. We'll move on and we'll have a look at some of the draft prospects uh, that are coming up for this year. So I suppose we will fly through these kind of position by position to kick off with. Uh, so we'll start with the quarterbacks. There's kind of four that are expected to go in and around the first round to early second round, I think. So those would be Kyler Murray out of Oklahoma, Dwayne Haskins out of Ohio State, Drew Locke out of Missouri, and Daniel Jones from Duke. It's an interesting class, to say the least, because everyone has flaws, quite, quite strong flaws, to go with the potential that's there. So Kyler Murray was the one, if you remember, everyone was being terrified about what height he'd measure in at and how heavy he would be Dwayne Haskins is you know a little bit kind of inexperienced and messes up under pressure Drew Locke looks like what you know a 1960s picture of a quarterback <laughs> would be but you know he 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 didn't perform against particularly strong competition uh, whenever they came up against strong competition he he, he dropped I was going to say drop the ball, but not not literally, more figuratively. And Daniel Jones, he's kind of considered a safe but unexciting bet, kind of like a could this be the next Case Keenum kind of guy. So who is there anyone you'd like to talk about in particular? We know Kyler Murray is the one that has been in the news the most. Yeah, like I think it's hard not to talk up top about Kyler Murray consistently being linked with the Arizona Cardinals at the number one overall pick or potentially the Cardinals trading out of there and someone else taking over the overall number one pick. So you're talking about here like a prospect who's obviously generating a lot of excitement. Only a one-year starter, of course. That's considered sometimes a bit of a red flag uh, within the scouting community. But he did win the Heisman in that year, putting up better numbers than Baker Mayfield had in the same offense while also showing like elite running ability for a quarterback, I should say, at the same time. So you're talking about here like a true dual threat quarterback who has the passing ability. Like if you're if you're trying to like max out like the two like the two quarterbacks we took, like two of the quarterbacks who went in the first round last year, you're talking about like Baker Mayfield, someone who's as accurate as that, but someone who has potentially near the running ability of Lamar Jackson. That is obviously the kind of freaky ability that NFL coaches nfl scouts nfl owners are willing to just you know ignore all of the obvious issues that exist the fact that he is such a smaller quarterback 5 10 very slight and you know, obviously if he, he bulks up he might lose some of his explosibility on the ground so this is someone who's really you now even in a even in a league with russell wilson uh, and drew Brees, that's still like even a little bit step below that you uh-huh. have to build your offense around those limitations and of course you have to question his motivation, obviously, all that furore about choosing football over baseball and his kind of media performances coming up to that. You have to have questions over that, but it's yeah. so tantalizing, so that that upside, it's just so huge. You just you just kind of have to get it if your team is needing a quarterback right now. No, of course. And like one of the things that people always point to now is when he went to the draft, he weighed in, I think, about like two pounds shy of where Russell Wilson weighed in. The difference was Russell Wilson was cutting down to that weight even with his frame because he's a much thicker frame Kyler Murray was like he had bulked up for that and he didn't do things like agility drills specifically because yeah. he was he was he was bulking so that they would go because like everyone was happy that he was a quarter inch taller than everyone <laughs> thought he was going to come in at and it's he was very much it. like Bart Simpson when he's like going trying to come to get into the acting role oh it's yeah like the big the platform shoes and the spiked up hair exactly yeah, I, you know this is a, he's, he's such an exciting player you can't really 
ignored. But, you know, like, I think if you're talking about a prospect historically, maybe you're looking at someone here. Obviously, the, the character questions are slightly different, but like a Michael Vick type player, just, just that type of player who's got those mm. traits that are so amazing that you, you're just willing to ignore all of the other things that really should make you a little bit concerned about taking him number one overall or in the first round early. No, of course. If I was to if I pick another one at this group to have a shadow, I, I kind of like Drew Locke, to be honest. I just have a feeling of like, he has a lot, a lot, a lot of potential. Now, I think he's not someone who you're drafting to start day one, is the key. He's someone you're drafting to take in and basically spend a year to two years getting them up to speed, getting them reading the defences, because he seems to be quite cerebral, be able to actually do that side of the game. But then, can he play at NFL speed? Can he deal with the NFL defences? And I think he has the physical tools and the mental tools to be able to do it, and it just takes a good bit of coaching and a situation where he is actually able to sit. Like, some of the concerns that I hear about him, I would remember hearing, like, similar concerns about Pat Mahomes at times, of, like, has the ability, but will it translate kind of thing? And I think going to the right spot, like maybe I have him mocked to going to, he might be able to, uh, to, to, to really turn into something at the next level. Like my biggest worry is that apparently his accuracy statistics are pretty poor overall, mm-hmm. apparently, like sub 60. And that kind of gets you into like, yeah, obviously Patrick Mahomes worked out great, though I think he was pretty accurate in college. He was. You know, you're also looking at people like Paxton Lynch, mm-hmm. uh, similar kind of prototypical people who, who snuck into the first round and then maybe Josh Allen is someone who last year had that kind of like kind of special looked really good but also had some you know juice on the ground uh, and we don't really know where Josh Allen is right I'd probably be on the downside with him to be honest as a, a potential elite prospect but yeah it, all of the physical tools are there to be intrigued and he's yeah definitely a candidate to probably be drafted towards the back end of the first round maybe even higher if someone does get that Pat Mahomes feel about him. I think just to briefly summarize the other guys, Dwayne Haskins is probably one of the biggest fallers during this draft window. I think he's just, he's the perfect quarterback for 10 years ago, but I don't think that many teams have the OL and like the, the pools around them to want to have someone who's kind of statuesque as him, especially when his play under pressure just hasn't been up to it. Daniel Jones and Ryan Finley, they're both just like, what are considered like uh, high floor candidates, solid game manager types, but they're not guys who are going to, they're both trailers. <laughs> Yes, yes, uh, they're, they're trailers, they're not trucks. Yeah. yeah, they're moved to sticks, they're trailers, they're fine. And, you know, if you're the Bengals, maybe you'll draft them because, hey, why not have another Adley Dalton? Exactly. Uh, the running back class this year is, it's intriguing. There's not really too many huge standout guys. There's a lot of good players, it would appear. So I'd see a lot of a lot of this happening between the second and fourth round for a lot of these guys. Josh Jacobs is one who's been mocked a bit in the... First round, uh, he's from Alabama. Very good one-cut running back. Uh, can catch the ball out of the backfield. Has good speed. Uh, so you could see him kind of getting yards after the catcher if he slips a tackle, being able to take a good distance in it. The problem, I think, is as we saw it with the free agency as well, people just don't value their running backs that highly anymore when they think, you know, all these, all these NFL starters who were picked up in the third, fourth, fifth round. Like, I think it's just devalued to the point where people will just take two fourth round running backs and see what happens rather than spend like a 25th pick on it. Yeah, like with Josh Jacobs, who's probably the only one who really has a realistic chance of making the first round. He's not Saquon Barkley. He's not Ziggy Elliott. He's not Leonard Fournette. Got, uh, like Leonard Fournette probably shouldn't have been as high as he's taken. But like, they're not guys who've shown 
that elite explosiveness where every single play is a potential touchdown, like we saw mm-hmm. from Saquon so often, and, and we saw from Ziggy Elliott, obviously, over his career. I think, you know, he's a one-cut running back, would do well in his own blocking scheme, but has good hands and good route running, which means he can be a good all like good all round third down back who could do it all. So you're talking about like you know a you know a, maybe a like marginal Pro Bowl level uh, player here mm-hmm. if he if he reaches his potential, but he just lacks that like up end physical like up end physicality and the up end speed where you're like this guy is going to break the game. He's just someone who'll do the job. And get it done. And I think there is a concern that he was in a one-two tandem with mm. uh, Damian Harris in Alabama. He was kind of the complementary back. He never really became it. Like the, the they say now that as he became more prominent towards the end of the season, they got better on offense. So that's a good thing. But like I think the up like some people are comparing to Alvin Kamara maybe as uh, like potentially like that. But I think his combine numbers ended up being much more disappointed than expected. So there's questions. Yeah that what people saw on tape, the lack of explosiveness, is being shown up in the combine. So mm-hmm. it's kind of pushed him down to being towards late first, maybe top second, rather than he where he could have been with a good combine. Yeah, you mentioned there, like Damian Harris, his teammate at Alabama, is also probably up in those top five or ten. Uh, Dave Montgomery, Miles Sanders, Darrell Henderson, a lot of them kind of being that solid, will probably fit in, might work better in a running back by committee. There's a lot of questions about like the high-end speed and breakaway stuff from all of them. Uh, the only other one that I can remember from my bits of bits of scouting I was doing, when I say my bits of scouting, my reading up on who in the seventh round the Chiefs might pick, um, <laughs> is... Um, there's the the fella, the boxer's son is in, isn't he? Is it Holyfield? Uh, yeah, I believe you're right. Yeah, yeah. So I think he's like uh, kind of pitched around fourth or fifth round, but people reckon that he might be he might be a good pickup because he's very hard hitting, kind of between the tackles, brute kind of guy, which might be uh, interesting with the potential for some high speed. But uh, yeah, the running backs, as I would say, just don't expect to see too much of them floating around the first round. But you know, there's a lot of value to be found for your team later on in it. I like- to be fair, Saquon Barkley just won Rookie of the Year, and people are still questioning that pick. I did love his his statement on that. He's like, you know, uh, he said, yeah, like I won Rookie of the Year. If that's not good enough, like I don't know what you, th- <laughs> I, I, I don't know what uh, what a failed pick is. Then <laughs> we'll have a look. There's a couple of wide receivers and tight ends who are floating around. So this is interesting because there's question marks over whether more than one wide receiver will get drafted in the first round. But there seems to be pretty consensus that at least two tight ends are going to go, which is an interesting reflection on both where the game is and where some of these players are coming out. So uh, Marquise Brown, Hollywood Brown, is probably the top prospects at this point there's him and dk metcalf really but um i think dk metcalf a lot of people view as just being a workout warrior and they're unsure about his actual whether he's a first round talent marquis brown is interesting because he is incredibly quick loads of yards after the catch very good i think catch numbers or some people complaining about his catch radius or something and the response was you don't need a big catch radius if you're five yards away from the guy who's meant to be covering you but if I remember correctly, he's coming in at like 166. Like, you can't really play in the NFL when you're that small, right? It's tough. It's tough to kind of get a get an idea of where you can play with that. It would certainly make you worried that good press coverage is going to like take him out of the game. And that's got to be a worry about any wide receiver in the NFL these days. Because, you know, there's plenty of those big cornerbacks lying around since the Seahawks made them such a big deal. Like with Hollywood Brown, well, Hollywood Brown, Marquise Brown, like you're talking about someone who's got you know the ability to make big plays and has actual consistent production at the college level. But yeah, it's a skinny prospect 
you have to worry about his potential to get into the NFL. And there's kind of similar worries over AJ Brown, who from Mississippi, mm-hmm. who's more of a slot guy, who bullied teams inside and those kind of like like from the slot and making those kind of like cat, run after the catch type mm-hmm. yards, like a, a Golden Tate type thing. But uh, will he be able to be pressed? Like these guys, there like there's questions there. And of course, with DK Metcalf, the, like the other well, the other kind of major wide receiver. Obviously, just a beast of a man. Obviously, those video, like those photos for him being absolutely ripped, oh, shredded. Yeah. He looked, he looked uh, like a video game character. Yeah, and then he's his combine was out of this world, but his route running is very questionable. Inconsistent production. I think he's the second best wide receiver on his own team in Mississippi yeah. against AJ Brown. So you're looking at someone here who's maybe more like he's like a bigger version of the Sean Jackson. Like he's going to get you these really big plays. But is he going to get you consistent production? Is he a, like a wide receiver one? Big question marks here. In contrast, I think the tight end, you're looking at more solid players, really. Yeah. You've got, so like TJ Hawkinson, who is considered to be excellent, very high floor, big body, good at kind of just being both a catch in, um, like catch in traffic kind of guy. He was good blocking in college, but they say there's a big step up from that once you get up to the main game. And uh, there's also some questions about maybe he needs to put on a bit of weight, maybe a bit of conditioning would work. Uh, similarly, his his teammate Noah Fant, I think actually, by the way, this is the first time that any school would ever have two tight ends drafted in the first round if this happens. Noah Fant, again, big open physical. He has some questions about his block, uh, his catching and traffic stuff. So like he's more of a get open with his route running kind of guy. And again, similar questions around the blocking, but both would be like the, the, the biggest rumor that's swirling at the moment is will the Patriots move up to get a Gronk replacement because this is a well-stocked tight end draft. Yeah, like um, there's Irv Smith Jr. from Alabama is another kind of guy considered to be a mismatch nightmare, uh, probably more towards the Fant area than the kind of Hawkinson all-rounder. But yeah, like I think it's, I think everyone with the Patriots is like, it's too obvious. But then again, if they trade up way up for it, that would be a really un-Patriots move. So it would be kind of interesting. Yeah. But yeah, like with Hawkinson, you have like your, like if you like old school football and traditional tight ends, he's the perfect player for you. And Gronk, to be fair, was closer to that. He was ridiculous, obviously, with his catching, but he was actually mm-hmm. a really good all-round tight end. Whereas no fans are probably looking more at uh, the Evan Ingram. Well, not quite Evan Ingram, it's a bit tougher than that. Maybe uh, the guy, uh, your guy in, in Kansas City, maybe closer. But mm. uh, yeah, I think with Noah Fant, I think the, he's he's been drafted quite high and people are expecting him to be drafted in the first round. So they'll have, I will have two first round tight ends. But like uh, I would be always concerned about a tight end who can't make the tough controls, who doesn't have the physicality. If you're a mismatch nightmare, maybe you're okay, but it would concern me a little bit if you're going to take him as high as you know, the top half of the first round or around that area. No, of course. So keep an eye out for a few of those. Uh, particularly, I think, once you hit into the second round is when you'll see some people moving around to try and get some of them before anyone else gets their hands on them. Offensive line, we'll have to just look at a couple of these because obviously it's very hard to, to, to assess how some of these translate from college to the NFL given the size and the speed difference. Juwan Taylor is probably the top offensive tackle out of Florida. He's a right tackle prospect. Uh, they reckon that it'll convert very well into it. Very good in the run game and I think scored quite well in the past as well. But they said his weights fluctuated quite a bit and he's getting him into a good, strong conditioning program with a strong, experienced offensive lineman will probably be key for him. Uh, the only other kind of tackle I think would be Dillard, kind of projected to the left hand side instead. Yeah. yeah. Like these are very like they're these are almost contrasts in what you want from an offensive lineman. Jawan Taylor's like your Mauler type player, big guy, very big guy. 
uh, has a bit of nastiness to him, likes to get involved, push people around. You know, he, he, that's actually cost him a little bit of discipline in terms of can get a few flags if he's not careful. So that's if you're if you're someone who who buys into the idea of having a nasty OL like your Taylor Luan types who just finish blocks well and like you know destroy people he's the kind of offensive lineman that you want whereas andre dillard is considered to be more of a technician someone who has really good at like very fluid very athletic but comes from a scheme that's maybe a little bit simple so there's going to be training up there but you know doesn't have that same nastiness is more of a technician someone who plays the game fair for lack of a better term um so the question is whether you know some teams will like that they prefer teams who don't get they prefer players who don't get flags uh, and someone who's athletic so it's really just a, a pick of what you prefer and i think you know if you're a pass first team dillard will be ahead of taylor but if you're run if you if your team likes to establish a run i think taylor's the guy you're going to get and of course with you know the super bowl champions this year new england patriots having won with a very deep pivot towards running back like the running game that's kind of an indication that other teams might be looking to match them this year as well even given our pass heavy idea about what the nfl is going in terms of guards you're probably looking at jonah williams they reckon he might be a little bit understaised but he has really understands the technical aspects of the game yeah. good with his hands um, and people are talking about kind of like a joe thomas like a student of the game gets the game maybe he doesn't yeah. have the same physical traits as thomas but I think you're getting that. You're, I think most coaches would love a player like that. The one that's actually, because it's, it's a rare occasion to get excited by linemen in the draft, but actually Garrett Bradbury was one that I was interested in whenever we still had a, a pick in the first round. <laughs> so he's like an elite center. Everyone reckons that this is the kind of you can get in, especially with a number of teams with younger quarterbacks, being able to put a, like an elite center paired with them so they can just get that kind of relationship together would be fantastic. They reckon he's put on a bit of weight, but like, it's it, it, what was what was the one? Remember Peyton Manning? Was it Jeff oh, Saturday? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So like that kind of idea of like pair a, an elite young center with your quarterback and build that relationship from there for protections yeah. and reading it. And like uh, the Raiders or Giants might go that way, you know. <laughs> we'll move on to some of the more the more exciting pieces. So uh, edge is quite strong in this draft. So this is your kind of pass rusher types. You're looking Nick Bosa, Josh Allen, Rashawn, Gary, Montez Sweat, although he's falling down boards a bit now because of some, I think, medical injury concerns. Uh, but yeah, yeah, basically like like Nick Bosa, his, his brother Joey's already in the league and is destroying stuff. This guy measures up almost exactly the same. In fact, a little bit ahead of him in one or two areas. He looks excellent for someone who's looking for that kind of position. Josh Allen looks like just pretty much what you want in that kind of like rush linebacker guy who can drop into coverage. He seems versatile. He seems to be able to get after the quarterback when he needs to get after the quarterback. And Rashawn Gary is just, yeah, he needs work. He needs someone to teach him some of the technicality of the position, but his measurables are unreal. And whenever you're looking at edge, sometimes you go, look, the skill that you're playing against is so much higher in the NFL that we have to reteach them anyway. You can teach someone how to rip ta- or sorry, how to, like, how, how to rip past someone. You can't teach someone to be like six foot seven, you know? Yeah. So like Nick Bowser, we're talking about someone here who is going to be taken in the first three picks, probably the top two picks. And it's just someone, obviously the pedigree is impeccable, but in terms of being someone with a history of understanding how to play across the defensive line, being able to be make plays and be able to dominate and pass and run. Yes, he's basically another Joey Bosa. Like that does, like Joe like Joey Bosa 
does require like rely on his technique a bit. He doesn't necessarily have the same kind of immense measurables you see in Josh Allen and Rashawn Gary. But at the end of the day, a well done player who understands the game at this level is always going to succeed. And then yeah, you have Josh Allen who it was more of an offline linebacker in the college level for a long time but showed in his final year some of that pass rush potential and obviously that's what people are getting excited about and that's why it's considered to be a top 10 pick potentially a top five pick at this point he'll have to work on his pass rush moves learn those up but with the type of like ridiculous speed and size he has you would expect it he'll be able to dominate early on with his physicality alone and then yeah Rashawn Gary just ridiculous but the lack of production is a bit of a worry he's a very power heavy uh thing you're like you're thinking, you know, like, you know, at his upside, you're thinking maybe someone like uh, Sue in terms of someone who really uses their power well with a little bit of coaching, but he'll need to improve a bit. And then Sweat and Burns are two other prospects we're talking about briefly, just that they're both kind of speed rushers. And Montez Sweat would probably be a bit higher without his heart condition, but these are both yeah. kind of speed rush guys around the edge. Bad news for Kansas City fans because Eric Fisher hates those guys. The speed rushers aren't really the biggest problem that Fisher has. The problem that he has is he has is very short pass rushers. He he cannot get an eye. He just has no idea about how to get himself down low enough to deal with them, holding them or just losing leverage entirely. The speed rushers tend to have more bend, like they can bend mm. to make themselves smaller, but maybe it's specifically you have to be very small to beat Eric Fisher in the morning. The Steelers guy who retired there, uh, who used to manhandle the living shit out of him every game, was just because he was like, he was a good seven inches shorter than him. So he just <laughs> get in underneath him. And then the only way that he can tackle is tackle down and he draw a flag nearly every single time. Selen Farrell is another player who's like, to go in the in the first round like the, the the defensive ends are stacked as well as the next position defensive tackles there's just so much talent here we're only really getting a taste of the kind of elite prospects that are available in the first two rounds of the nfl draft this year yeah we've got like quentin williams and ed oliver and we're looking at the interior uh both very 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 high-end talent like williams is kind of is, he's the one who they're kind of considering like should you take him instead of Bosa depending on what your scheme fit is kind of thing you know needs to book up a little bit maybe but like just looks looks NFL ready essentially already and then again Ed Oliver looks great question about what his size would be and whether or not he might be stuck as a tweener between whether he'd fit better in a 3-4 or a 4-3 but yeah like there is this is a deep ass draft if you're looking for a defensive lineman and pass rushers and actually linebacker as well I think when you're when you're talking about these maybe slightly undersized defensive tackles, but with elite physical traits, you're you're hoping you're finding the next Aaron Donald, the next Geno Atkins, that guy who from the inside is causing absolute havoc for running backs and quarterbacks alike. And both of those guys have that type of upside. I think Quinn and Williams perhaps is the more established talent, although I think on that Alabama line he had a lot of help and he only redid it in twenty eighteen. But, like, you know, that's the kind of thing you're talking about. Ned Oliver, he is genuinely someone who is very undersized for the position. But, you know, like, there is smaller defensive tackles getting well. Even someone, like, it's, it's a deep cut from Seattle, but Puna Ford is, a, a like, a sub-six-foot defensive tackle who did well as an undrafted free agent. So maybe similar to the, the quarterback position, we're seeing that these smaller defensive tackles, if these kind of guys succeed this year, maybe they'll get more of a look-in going forward. But I think they're looking for that Aaron Donald type We'll see if either of these can live up to that. But, you know, that kind of potential, that kind of disruption is worth its weight in gold. So these guys will get drafted high to, to chase that dragon. 
No, of course. Uh, we'll have a look then at linebackers and kind of box safety, strong safety type stuff. Got Devin White and Devin Bush at the linebacker position uh, from LSU and Michigan, respectively. Yeah, again, I, White is an interesting one because he has all the traits you're looking for, but he hasn't got a huge amount of experience at the position. He's still learning. I think he was a running back beforehand, uh, but he has played exceptionally well, and we expect to see him drafted quite well. Uh, Devin Bush is just very, very, very good in coverage. He can get all over the field very, very quickly. There's some question marks again over how he'll deal in the run game, how he'll get through some of those, like, you know, stopping stopping an oncoming pulling guard or something like that there with size questions. But again, looks like he'd fit in quite nicely. And uh, Jonathan Abraham, uh, was it like, just looks like he'll be able to provide good support in the run game, maybe cover tight ends and stuff like that. So yeah. it's that kind of cross between kind of safety and slot corner coveragey guy. Keanu Neal type player you're looking at. I don't think he has the same size as someone like Cam Chancellor, but like Keanu Neal type of hard hitting, good in coverage, good in, good against the run, just all round strong safety that you know can still be brought kept in in nickel packages as your kind of uh, third linebacker type. The two like the two linebacker, I think Devin White's probably the more intriguing prospect, like with all that upside in terms of his uh, his physical skills, like his rare speed. And he's just such a hard worker, obviously someone who can go from one position to the other and already be near the top of his position and be in a first round draftable position. Gives you an idea of this guy, someone who obviously his work ethic and his motor are without repute. And I think that's the kind of guys that people love to have as the engine of their defense, whether that's being inside linebacker or one or like a three, four outside linebacker, just someone who gets the dirty work done uh, and gets the game. And his, you know, his understanding of the game needs a bit of work, but you know, if you're if you work hard, then the ideas will be there. And yeah, Devin Bush, just a sideline to sideline guy. They're kind of needed these days, particularly in the four three defense. And I think just having someone who can get everywhere on the field and be at the point of the play. And even if he does, even if he doesn't stop the play, if he slows down the play to get his teammates in the in the way, then that's a huge help at that side. Uh, and then you know, beyond that, there's kind of solid players like Taylor Rapp, Mac Wilson, guys who nothing spectacular about them, but they're just Solid players, understand the game, get the job done, good mid-round prospects overall. The defensive backs, this has been an interesting one because there's been a lot of movement in the last month to month and a half um, in this group where we've seen risers, fallers. There's now like, some projections would say four, five, six will go in the first round and then there's other ones that will say two will go in the first round depending on well who, who, who you trust. So probably the... The kind of consensus top at the moment is probably Greedy Williams, very consistent cornerback, very good at tracking his man, moving his hips, staying in position. Isn't the world's best tackler, but I think that seems to be an ongoing theme with a lot of these guys that they're not as physical anymore. Now that can also, you know, work both ways because they are the new rules in the NFL are to try and make them slightly less physical with receivers, but it's not necessarily what you want to see whenever you're hoping for a guy to be coveraged. Uh, you've got Byron Murphy, Rockyson, DeAndre Baker. Um, all these guys are guys who, depending on the scheme that you play and what you're looking for from a cornerback, they could be number one or number five on your board. These are very uh, scheme specific. Like I think Rockyson is perhaps the rawest, but also the least scheme dependent. He's mm-hmm. the kind of size you expect from a cornerback. Whereas these other guys, Byron Murphy, Dondre Baker, these are smaller guys, may play in the slot initially, um, but do have that, like, you know, smaller cornerbacks can succeed. We've seen that, like, Darius White. Uh, but Grady Williams seems to be the one who people are 
saying it's the safest pick, the one that you can slot in day one as a you know CB1 or CB2 and get the job done. Um, so I think he's probably the one who will get drafted first. But all of these guys that we've mentioned have a chance of going in the first, I think, at this point. Yeah, no, of course. And then, so as, as always, we just mentioned the special teamers. A couple of kickers and a punter. Uh, Cole Tracy from LSU. Uh, John Barron II from SDSU. Matt Gay from Utah. Austin Seabird from Oklahoma. And then punter Mitch Wisnowski from uh, Utah. Any of these guys jumping out at you? I think that the, the most fun one uh, is there's just two. There's like tr- like the Cole Tracy and John Barron are kind of like the opposite of each other. One's a metronomic short range kicker, but maybe lacks the kind of leg to be a true elite prospect. And John Barron is like the long field goal specialist, but questionable questionable accuracy. But Matt Gay is. Uh, uh, like a big booming kicker apparently is a soccer player background and hits absolute rockets like 62 yarder <laughs> 62 yarder made in college but apparently his kind of slow three-step technique has had him get a few field goals blocked during his oh, college okay. career but you know it, it'll just be fun to watch him like go full beckham on it or whatever like that austin siebert does all yeah. of them doesn't he yeah but none of them well enough probably to be drafted. <laughs> but the thing but, is, I suppose it's it's that idea of the Swiss Army knifey type player of like, does that free up an extra position yeah. for you or something on your on your roster? Although, could you imagine like how terrible it would be if like essentially one player gets injured and you don't have a punter, a kicker, or a kicker? Yeah. Like, uh, Mitch oh, Wisnowski, he's another Aussie rules convert. Obviously, we know uh, punt god from last year also a Aussie rules, but lacks maybe the the long range kicking ability to like, you know, flip the field, but apparently a very good pooch punter, very accurate, able to get kick you into the corner um, mm-hmm. from reasonable yardage. So uh, he, he'll probably won't like, I'm not sure any of these will get drafted, but uh, you know, these guys will get picked up eventually. I imagine. We'll have a look at our mock drafts. And we'll kind of run through. Um, so we've kind of gone for, uh, I've done one, Ronan's done one and the kind of a tiebreaker for whenever we, cause we, as we always do our consensus one, which is a, uh, kind of the highest rated player across our boards that has been taken so the tiebreaker from that is uh, we just went with Daniel Jeremiah's most recent draft um, the main issue we're going to have is so we've said no trades this year because it just gets a pain in the arse to try and mark it <laughs> otherwise um, so we will start off at the top we both agree the Cardinals are going to go for quarterback Kyler Murray what happens with Rosen is actually in the question section, but I'm not sure we're going to get to them. So we'll try and integrate the questions into here. So yeah. what do they do with Rosen? They trade him. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, like, I think people are, are, like, I think once the draft is over, there'll be still, there'll probably be a team like that will still need a quarterback that didn't get its guy. And at that point, I think you can get a second for Rosen. I think just given how cheap his contract will be for that upside, yeah. I think he can get a second for him uh, for next year. And like, given that a, a second next year is worth so much less, I think that's worthwhile too. Yeah. It could get pretty explosive if, if they do one during the draft, of course. But this is the thing, I have, a, I have a feeling that if this happens, now obviously we're not doing trades in this, if this happens, so I have the Mazungus taking a quarterback all the way down to 15. I think the second that this happens, the Washington team are on the phone to them and trying to do it for a second this year. Or actually, think, they don't have a second this year, do they? I think they've given that yeah. to us. So, yeah, whatever. Like, I think, like, I wouldn't mind the Giants making a move at that point. Like, I think if you're talking about someone that you can safely keep behind uh, Eli Manning and not have a huge Ferrari about, like, let's get him in straight away because his yeah. contract will be so cheap, I think that would be a good position for him. And they're obviously going to build, they're trying to build a team that's run heavy and the offensive line has to keep a statuesque type quarterback alive anyway. It, it, it would, I think the fit would be decent there, but no, I, it, it, 
obviously it depends who's offering the most at the time. Yeah, you see, the, the, my, my, my thinking is just that I know that the Washington have like nearly 100 million tied up over the next two or three years in quarterbacks who are nearly all injured or not not really that good. So we'll see. Yeah. Uh, we'll try to play this actually a little bit quicker. Uh, so next up, we're in agreement. Nick Bosa is defensive end, comes off the board. 49ers get better on defense. He's a yeah. great pick for them. Yeah. I think especially given their travails and trying to, like they've been picking a lot of defensive linemen and not having much success, going for a super, super safe pick here is perhaps something they should just do rather than trying to get clever with uh, Solomon Thomas and players like that who, who you know were interesting prospects, of course, but had question marks. Take the guy, no question marks. This guy is going to succeed unless he you know has a, breaks his leg or something. Um, this guy is worth it. But no, uh, do just give him the money straight away, although, otherwise you're going to get a charger situation where it'll drag on through the offseason. He's a businessman, these Bosa. These Bosa men, they know what they're worth. Oh, of course. So we have the Jets and the Raiders here. Now, we, we flip picks on this, but I think we both have them looking for the same thing, which is that kind of like leader on the defense being able to provide a bit of the pass rush. But yeah, so I've got the Jets going for Quentin Williams and the Raiders going for Josh Allen. You've got the Jets going for Josh Allen and the Raiders going for Quentin Williams. So yeah, kind of... like uh, uh, mostly just because like they, you know, the Jets they have uh, Leonard Williams, I think, isn't it? And he's obviously a, he's a pretty good defensive tackle for them already. Whereas their li- outside linebackers are still pretty sparse. So I think if you're going position of need and these two are interchangeable, then I think Josh Allen that kind of flexibility could, you know, be able to play on third down every every play. And then, yeah, I think Quinn Williams is too good to get beyond the, the top five. And I think uh, the Raiders' defense was absolute gack, especially against the, the pass and the run up the middle. Uh, yeah. So they could certainly do with some some heft up there. Yeah, and as we said, though, in the news section, we're not we're not entirely sure the Raiders will be here at this point. We think there's a lot going on in the background. <laughs> Number five, we agree. Uh, Devin, oh, no, we don't. Uh, I've got Devin Bush and you've got Devin White going to them. But we both have them going for linebackers, just yeah. trying to shore up a bit of that defense. Basically, they lost Quad Alexander, so looking for someone of that yeah. skill. Uh, Giants is where we start to separate. So <laughs> I have them taking Dwayne Haskins at this point and setting themselves up with a quarterback for the future, one that they don't necessarily have to kick in straight away. They can give him until the last five or six games of the season when they're already out. Yeah, I have to give it Ed Oliver. I genuinely believe they're going to go all in on Eli this year. I don't think they're going to draft a quarterback. As I said, I think Josh Rosen would be a good compromise. Get him for like a second or a third with that upside. Uh, but I think they're going to they really want to make that defense a lot better. It was really bad, especially in the middle last year. So I could see them taking an explosive pass rushing defensive tackle here and getting the fan base excited about the defense. Like, I, I you know, I just... I just think that they're gonna. I think they're. I think they think Eli will play this year. We'll get our guy next year. Someone like Tua at Alabama, or someone like that. Trevor Lawrence. If the rumors about the XFL forcing me out a year earlier are true, I think they think they see their guy in the future, and it's not in this year's draft. Mm-hmm. No, that's fair enough. That's fair enough. Next up, Jags. I have them taking Ed Oliver, jumping down in that defense. They think they've got enough now with the new quarterback, and they do have weapons for him and stuff like that. They need to kind of restock that defense, keep the momentum going there, and I think he's a good fit for that. You have them taking the offensive tackle, Joan Taylor, presumably to kind of protect the asset. Yeah, but I also I think he, as we mentioned, he's more of a run. He's a run, like run type of tackle. Mm-hmm. And obviously I think uh, Leonard Fournette will continue to be central to their plan. So it's a very old school approach, I think, uh, from the old man up, up in the office. Uh, so it wouldn't surprise me to see them take Joan Taylor here. No, of course. I have the Lions taking him next at eight, and you have them taking a guard at Jonah Williams. Yeah. 
So I think, yeah, we're both seeing the same kind of need for them at that point. Uh, Bills are a bit interesting. I've gone outside linebacker for them, and you've gone offensive tackle. So uh, I think, to be honest, the Bills are one of those ones, like, where do you start? Yeah, like, (laughs) there's a lot of different things you need to fix. They've got a load of free agents. They technically got, I think, a couple of tackles in the free agency class, but I think a pass, like, if if they want to make himself Josh Allen into more of a passer this year which is what they always pretend they're going to do then having a pass tackle like Andre Dillard might be something to start getting there because the offensive line was just so bad last year they really just relied on him running around and, and, and making stuff off the fly no of course I just remember watching that Bills defense last year and thinking man they need they need lots of pieces here and Brian Burns stuck out to me as one that might actually fit uh, next up we're in agreement again it's so odd that we're finding random ones that we're agreeing on further down <laughs> Tight end TJ Hawkinson to the Broncos. They've got a they've got a new weapon in Joe Flacco. Let's be honest, he's not the passer he was. So bring in a good quality tight end that can be a pressure valve for him and also provide hopefully some of the blocking to keep him safe because he is a little bit of a statue these days. Yeah, I think he's someone who likes to dump it off if he can. Perhaps doesn't have the like the downfield potential Joe Flacco anymore. So just having a safety blanket there would make a lot of sense. They they have Jeff Hireman. That's like all else they have. So I think they're just a team that wants to be solid, run the ball, play, play action. And I think uh, TJ Hawkinson can help both if you keep him in the line or if you put him out uh, making mismatches. No, of course. Next up is the Bengals. We both have them taking QBs. I have Daniel Jones and you have Dwayne Haskins going there. I think we just both are like, it's, 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 it's time. It's time yeah. to put poor Andy Dalton out to pasture. We have no idea what's going on in the Bengals like, brain trust because the owner obviously has a tendency to get his fingers stuck in thing they have a new coach uh we really don't know but i think we're all hoping maybe a new dawn of some interesting things happening in the bengals and a new quarterback would be an interesting thing no of course uh we both have the packers shoring up their defense a bit but in slightly different ways i have them taking devin white and you have them taking devin bush which is interesting because i think we had them going in the inverse direction uh, yes, we, we, we had them in the opposite direction for the Buccaneers as well. I, I will admit, I think Devin White is a better fit for the Packers than Devin Bush, but I think I think their inside linebacker is probably the one big area they need to do stuff in at, my, at the moment. And I think Devin Bush can just be part of that rotation at the inside and outside position, uh, depending what they're doing in terms of run pass at the time. No, of course. Uh, Dolphins up next. Uh, we've both gone for kind of defensive line. So I've gone for Rashawn Gary to be their new defensive end. And you've gone for Christian Wilkins to be their DT. This is BPA pretty much. <laughs> yeah, kind of just looking at that. Uh, Falcons, actually, I think we're all, even even Daniel Jeremiah agrees with us on this one. Uh, the, the Falcons are going to go and help that cornerback group with Greedy Williams, the top cornerback prospect that we can see. And like we said, they've already, like in the free agency section, they're adding strong safety they need to they need to bump this up and i'll probably expect them to send more than just this first round pick at that position as well yeah yeah we disagree on this part i have the washington mzungus taking quarterback daniel jones as i said if Kyler murray goes first overall i don't see them making this pick but this is at the moment i think they need a quarterback in there they are paying loads of money to guys who like alex smith is probably never going to play again they have like is it Josh Johnson and like people like that in at the moment like yeah. they're just they're just they they need to get they need to somehow make it affordable for them to build a team and as we've seen the easiest way to do that is to not have to pay seventy five million dollars a year to quarterbacks who aren't playing for you. 
Yeah, I, I just think like the defense, especially losing Preston Smith, their defense is just a bit weaker. And I think they're one of the teams, I think, they've already taken moves to solve the quarterback thing other ways. And they obviously have fate in Colt McCoy. So, yeah, like Daniel Jones would be uh, an uninspiring choice, but I think they're a team that thinks that they can win with Colt McCoy mm-hmm. or um, Case Keenum. Um, oh, of course. Because they're fair. grand. Jay yeah. Gruden is just very boring at football. Oh, he is. Um, Panthers, I have them taking Andre Dillard, and you have them taking Noah Fant, the second tight end off the board for yourself. Um, is that kind of a succession plan for their tight end position? Yeah, they lost, uh, obviously, kind of their big physical wide receiver. They Their tight end is in decline. So I think having someone who can complement the kind of smaller guys that have really come on last year is someone that kind of makes sense for them. I just think, like, Cam Newton is just one of those players. His accuracy means you kind of want to have someone he can throw, like, uh, jump balls to. And I think the players who filled that role over the last few seasons are, are leading or declining and no fan to be a good replacement at this point. No, of course. Uh, next up, we have the Giants' second pick. Um, so as I sorted quarterback earlier on, I've decided to go and try and get them a bit of pass rush. And this is a potentially very, very high-value pick at this point. Montez Sweat is available here, uh, obviously because of the health concerns. Uh, you have gone, because you already sorted out a DT for them in the first pick, you've gone for Daniel Jones to be the quarterback to sit behind him. Yeah. So all that talk you had about going all in on Eli and you're still giving them a quarterback with the second pick. Yeah, like I'm uh, like I just kind of uh, I'm kind of like to a certain extent wish casting here. I do genuinely think they might. They I don't. This is one of those ones where I'm like, you should just take a quarterback. Go on, just do it. Like, and I think they are probably looking for more of a game manager type with their current roster than a, a Drew Lock high up end type. Uh, basically, Eli Plus maybe is what they're looking for. But uh, yeah, I, I, if they took a, a better defensive player, someone uh, like Rashawn Gary at this point, I, I would probably be okay with that. Uh, as long as you're willing to tolerate just having Saquon Barkley carry the entire offense for a year. No, of course. Uh, Vikings were in agreement again that they're just going to take Garrett Bradbury. It's um, a lineman. Cent- they have to take an offensive lineman. Yeah. Well, it's a center that we mentioned beforehand that I think would be a very good fit for them. Uh, I'm not sure about, like, you know, it's almost a waste putting him there with uh, <laughs> with the quarterback that they have. <laughs> but sure, look, fuck it, it's fine. It's safe pick. I think you've got a long-term starter there. Uh, Titans, I have them going defense with uh, Jeffrey Simmons, uh, the defensive tackle. You have them going for DK Metcalf, the uh, workout warrior. Yeah, I think they're kind of safe enough to have Corey Davis. Like they're safe enough at tight end. Well, assuming he comes back okay. I think having that complementary piece, that kind of explosive player who can make big plays on every play is someone that maybe they'll intrigue them. Honestly, I have no idea what the Titans are going to do. They're such a an enigmatic team right now, but not in a very interesting way. Like, like boringly enigmatic, let's say. But they're just. I think this is something that would at least get the the fans excited and would be you know consistent with trying to get Mariota one last chance to prove himself as an elite potential quarterback. No, of course. Um, we're in agreement on the Steelers picking up Byron Murphy, probably the second best cornerback in this group. Uh, fits our scheme quite nicely, and they do need help there. I think they'd probably be looking for a linebacker if they could <laughs> get one. But I think I, I literally scouted like the linebackers. Like, is there a linebacker they could take here? And I get the conclusion no, so I get them Byron Murphy. <laughs> yeah, like like this is this is a prime spot where you could see. I would I would imagine the Steelers are going to be trying to move up for some of these linebackers. Like if if a Devin White or a Devin Bush is actually falling all the way to twelve, I can see them moving up to try and 
try and grab that. Um, but yeah, for the moment, they fix it, it, the cornerback is still an area need for them, but it's not as big a need as linebacker. Next up, we have the Seahawks. I've given them Christian Wilkins, the defensive tackle. You've given them Rashawn Gary, the defensive end. Um, yeah, so in my one, he's obviously dropped a lot from where he's expected to go so I think Seattle they've had success getting these raw defensive end prospects getting them well like Frank Clark for example so I wouldn't be surprised to, to, if they if a player like Rashan Gary did fall to them they stick here and actually pick someone uh, but don't be surprised if they trade down yeah. they want defensive line help basically no, of course. Uh, next up is the Ravens. I've gone for tight end Noah Fant. Uh, they're getting good value at this point. And I think especially given the limitations we saw in their passing game, the idea of adding in like a proper top quality tight end would be very entertaining. Also, given the number of tight ends they tend to draft these days, they can now run like a nearly all tight end set. <laughs> so it would be fantastic. So I think what would that be? Is it uh, 20, 24 personnel? Like, I two, to, two, two running backs, four tight you'd be, ends. You'd be tempted to give them a wide receiver, but you're kind of like be probably wasted. And uh, fair, I think, mm. you know, the Ravens obviously lost a lot of pieces on the defensive uh, front this year. So I expect them to pick a defensive player, to be honest. It's the Ravens style. So yes, I don't yeah. expect them to go beyond that. Whoever's the best defender available, they'll probably take them. You've gone for Cleland Farrell? Yeah. Okay, fair. very good. Uh, we have the, both the Texans going for guards, but different guards. I've got them taking Jonah Williams, and you've got them taking Cody Ford. Let's be yeah. honest, it's a Swiss cheese offensive line, and their quarterback's already been injured once. They need to do stuff to yeah. fix that. Let me clear. If Jonah Williams was available there, he would get drafted in like a, a millisecond. <laughs> 100%. I just had him falling on my board because I made a mistake earlier on and had to adjust everything downwards. Um, <laughs> this is actually, this is somewhere where I could see if the Vikings don't go for Garrett Bradbury, this would be where I'd expect they'd be they'd be looking at that. They might even consider moving up to pick him up to try and solidify that line. And you know, the, exactly what we were discussing in the in the player analysis earlier on. On to the Raiders. Time to get old school Raiders here. So you have them taking Marquise Hollywood Brown because they want fast and they want fast. It's Hollywood Brown, man. That's the perfect Raiders pick. We we're no boring. We're about to come to Las Vegas and our Hollywood you know, Las Vegas. We got Holly. Well, you know, we got Hollywood coming here. We're bringing Hollywood to town. Mm. Uh, you know, DK Metcalf is the big physical freak, but Marquise Brown is the guy. He's probably more like a Deshaun Jackson in terms of physical his physical this dimensions. Is this is we're, why mine makes more know. sense. I've given them DK Metcalf. He's a workout warrior yeah, that everyone but, thinks is going to fail and probably will. So yeah. he fits the Raiders' mold of drafting terrible wide well, receivers. Yeah, if if the if I hadn't mocked the the Metcalf. To the titans already uh, he would definitely it would have been a much tougher choice but without metcalf on my board marquise brown hollywood brown is coming to the raiders no of course 25 the eagles are on the clock i have them taking defensive tackle jerry tillery just to add into that rotation like it's a strength of theirs and i think build strength on strength rather than trying to find something new you've given them montez sweat presumably a similar never, kind of idea never have enough pass rush they're definitely one of those teams that believes that that's it. Uh, Colts are up next. We've them. We've both have the Colts adding to their uh, defensive backfield. I've given them safety Joan Thornhill, and you've given them safety Jonathan Abram. Yeah, like it makes sense. They need assistance there. I think they could probably do with picking up a wide receiver, but I don't think there's value to be found at this point in the draft of that. I think it's going to be the second round and third round where you'll find the pieces that might work there. Uh, Raiders up next again. We're in agreement on the Raiders. They're going yeah. to take running back Josh Jacobs. Let's um, go. Let's go yeah. Raiders. Well, that's the thing. Like they're they they're, they're just going all offense on here, which is you know yeah. uh, certainly an approach. Like uh, you pick you pick you you're smart. You get Josh Allen or Quinn and Williams. You know you look solid, and then all oh, these other first round picks. Let's go for the 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 
razzle dazzle the guys you know we got Marquise Brown our new exciting player to go with uh, Antonio Brown you know the, the 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 lightning to his thunder and Josh Jacobs now our new our Lev Bell we missed on Lev Bell now we're getting Josh Jacobs he's going to be a three down pack he's going to make us solid every single down come at us Raiders we're going to win everything no of course next up we have their divisional rivals the Chargers uh, we both in agreement on the Chargers interesting we, uh, we're both mocking uh, cornerback Rocky Sin to them. I think he's a little bit raw, but he fits our screen quite well, and like they need to add more bits to that, that defense. Like, they've got a good rotation up there, but they've got players who are coming towards the end of contracts, and they've, kind of, they've got a really solid like, front seven rotation, so now it's time to build on that strength and add some stuff into the cornerback group to, to make it a bit easier. Seahawks up next. Uh, this is the one that they've just picked up in the trade from the Chiefs. So you have them taking defensive tackle Dexter Lawrence, and I have them taking uh, Jonathan Abrams at this point. So you're taking defensive end and defensive tackle, so you're really just focusing in on getting that defensive yeah, rotation. Yeah, like the, Seahawks, the Seahawks love that, and Dexter Lawrence, he's a, he's a big guy, will shore up their run defense, which was only adequate last year, and is a little bit of a hedge against Jaron Reed, who's up for contract this year. So if Jaron Reed leaves next offseason, they have uh, someone who can fit in very like kind of similar, kind of a bit of a fat guy, but with some pass rush upside, see if they can develop him. Even if he doesn't, he'll be a solid one stuffer regardless. So just very a good, good safe, safe Seahawks type pick there. We are on in agreement on the Packers up next. We both had them taking wide receiver AJ Brown. Yeah, look, to be honest, with all the shite that was talked in the offseason, they need to give some weapons so they can say, look, we're helping Aaron. You know, it's always it's always good to, you know, try and get a petulant child on side with you with a small <laughs> presence. So, you know, yeah. give him a wide receiver to play with. I think having an elite slot guy would like make a huge difference to that. I think it's just someone who you know, combined obviously with the guys they already have there who are mostly outside guys and obviously one of them's elite. I think having AJ Brown in the slot to be kind of, you know, make some things, especially with the fact that Jimmy Graham hasn't worked out, just have someone that uh, Aaron Rodgers can rely upon for short passes would be nice. Even if he will ignore him many times because that's Aaron Rodgers' MOD says. Yeah, it's how he does. It's how he do. Uh, 31st pick, the Rams select L... Elgton Jenkins uh, center we both have that as our selection yeah solidify that line you know maybe help with some of the protection reads and stuff like that and again he just works he just works it he sits really nicely and is a good position for that. And then finally, we have the Patriots with the 32nd pick, who obviously will trade down because that's all the Patriots ever do. You've Unless got they them... trade up for a tight end. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, you have them taking safety, Darnell Savage, and I have them taking quarterback Drew Locke to sit behind to be the heir apparent. Yeah, like we have no idea what the Patriots are going to do, let's be honest. But I was, you know, I struck with that quote from Bill Belichick earlier in the offseason. You know, don't tell me what they can't do. Tell me what they can, and I'll find something to do with them. And Darnell Savage is one of these late risers who has all of the speed, instincts, hitting ability in the world. Someone who's just a real live wire uh, in the backfield, uh, but is small, basically. That's why people don't like him. He's small. So Fair enough. don't be surprised when the Patriots turn him into like the, him the next, like the next... Um, Errol Thomas. <laughs> yeah, no, it uh, sounds about right for them. I just have them going the right. We need to probably get 
an air set up for here, start training someone in. We said Drew Locke has the potential, uh, but probably needs to sit for a year or two to get there. And the Patriots know, especially with Tom deciding that he always wants to play for another year, yeah. uh, that they could do with the fifth-year option on the quarterback that they're going to hold uh, on to. Or they could always so, train him. <laughs> that's it. You know, they can they, they can always just turn him into, oh, look, well, he might be our 32nd overall selection this year, but he's actually our second-round pick in two years' time. <laughs> oh, but, yeah. my so that sounds good. So again, we have no fucking clue. So that's a that's, that's a good approximation. We have our we now also have our consensus picks list to see what happens. So we won't run through all of those, but yeah, basically our little computational system to tell us what has or hasn't happened. Ten out of twenty two agreement, not too bad. Yeah, not too bad at all, to be honest. Normally, we don't agree all that much. Uh, what's what's weird about it is that we agree in one or two spots. It must be kind of a grouping thing of like, we kind of agree on what the top five or six guys are, but we don't agree on the order. So then we kind of go back to agreeing then once we hit like seven or eight, and then we just stop agreeing again. <laughs> it's very good. Yeah, and at the um, back end, we're like, uh, that guy more or less works. Let's just go with that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, makes sense. But um, yeah, so any crack for the next week or so? Any 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 plans? You gonna watch any of the draft? Well, we have two first rounders now, so a bit more yeah. tempted at this See, we, point. We we have none, so I'm not gonna bother me hoop. <laughs> yeah, like I, I'm not sure if I'll, I'll bother or not. Like it's just one of those things that the hot takes are always a little bit uh, too hot for me. But uh, yeah, like obviously with yourself heading off to Iraqistan uh, soon, you're gonna be having a little soiree probably by the time we hear from you next. Next one. podcast will probably be when you're in Iraq, I'd say. I will do a draft review because it'll be like, well, this guy could work out, but we literally have no idea. We, we, like, we might do a quick thing, but that'll be about it. Just to say, yeah. like, this is it, and now nothing happens for the next two months. So, uh, so yeah, yeah, like, other than that, just tipping away. We're about three weeks out from the release at work, so everybody will be pretty busy at work until then, so hopefully things will be fine. Excellent, excellent. Well, I suppose, as always, if you have any questions, fire them into us on the Facebook page or on the Twitter or on that kind of stuff. And we'll see how these draft goes and see who manages to pick up something fantastic in like the fifth or sixth round. Could be uh, could be good good times around then. Could be Patriots. Um, yeah, almost certainly will be. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I suppose uh, for now it's bye from myself, bye from Ronan. Bye. This has been All Four Quarters. Thanks so much for listening and we'll chat to you in a bit. Bye.